0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of the BTSC game podcast. The Steelers win, beat the Tennessee Titans 19-13 to in a crazy up-and-down game. I'm Jeff Hartman, senior editor at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Joining me as always, Brian Anthony Davis. Brian, it's time to talk about some fun stuff. We're not talking about the offense anymore. We're talking about the defense, the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. They shut out the Tennessee Titans uh, in the second half. They do not allow a single point. They have four takeaways in this game. There are a lot of bright spots to talk about, but I want to start off. I mean, you talk about fumble recoveries. You had Joe Hayden had one. TJ Watt had one. Minka Fitzpatrick had one. Joe Schobert had an interception. Every single one of those takeaways was necessary, Brian, but what's kind of your knee-jerk reaction to the defense before we start talking about numbers and, and all the uh, minutia?
2: Man, when, it, when push came to shove, they shoved hard. <laughs> and they knock balls loose and making interceptions. Gosh, you could have thrown in Devin Bush should have had maybe a pick six. Ah. I mean, he uh, he made a nice play on that ball. It just uh, he just didn't catch it. But man, I really love the defense. Now there are some holes. I mean, my gosh, they're still giving up a lot of a lot of rush yards. Yes, Deonta Foreman, I think is I think he's a very good player. So you did not give up yards to a scrub player so if you think you did because you just didn't hear of him this is a guy that was supposed to be the next great Texans running back and he had his knee just completely blown out and as a rookie and it took him a lot of time to get back and now I think he's 25 this might be his third or fourth year but he's getting another chance and behind a very good line he was doing some really nice things I think he is tough as nails so I You know, I get it now. He's not Derrick Henry, but you did not give up over 100 yards to a bad running back or a true second stringer, Jeff. I just want to go ahead and say that. But I loved, I mean, I felt comfortable with the defense. I felt that they were going to make stops when it was fourth and one and the crowd made that huge noise because Foreman, who looked really hurt, comes back in and you know, everybody in the stadium knows he's getting the ball. And the Steelers knew he was going to get the ball. And I had no doubt when he came in. I'm like, yeah, they're going to stop him. Like I said, you could call BS on me, but I just had belief in this entire game that this team was going to you know pop up. At one point, I'm like, I can't believe this is happening because I believe and they, they usually fall flat on their face. But today, it was just like they kept on making things happen. The guys that we bellyache about have been, were making things happen.
0: No, you're right. I mean, you think about the plays that were made. You talk about guys like Schobert, has been criticized, highly criticized. Taco Charlton was the one that got his big mitt on that uh pass, which tipped up in the air, and Schobert brings in um Joe Hayden comes out of nowhere. Who caused that fumble? Was it Cam Sutton? Was that is that I think that's who it was that, that was, was I it don't know.
2: Cam? I,
0: I don't think it was Minka. I don't think it was Minka, but I could be wrong. That's a uh, good question. Gosh, I, I don't think it was Cam, but I might be wrong. Okay. Wilson Pavagas is us 499s as defensive player of the year. Maybe even MVP is TJ already an all-time Steeler Great best pass rusher in our history. Also, Joe Hayden is a big and underrated key player. Yes. Congratulations to TJ Watt. He uh, breaks James Harrison's record, but Brian an all-time Steeler Great already. What do you think?
2: Yeah. yeah. Come on. I think we've got to say it because he makes this team different. You know, if he retired right now, He would be an all-time Steeler great because he's very high up on the sack list and among Steeler greats. You know, he is a player that just, oh my gosh, he stops a lot of things. And he is the heart and soul of that defense along with two other hearts and two other souls, Minka and Cam. But when this guy's out, you kind of feel like this team is lost when he's not there. So another thing about TJ Watt, you know, sure, he he broke the single season sack record. I want him to get one more to break the 17.5 that we talked about, the unofficial record from 1961. Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Um, Gene Lipscomb, great name. But the thing about TJ, think about a guy like Terrell Davis. The Broncos are going to call Terrell Davis one of the greatest players in their history. And what did he play for six seasons?
0: Yeah. It was it wasn't a long career we will put it there it's an
2: all-time bronco great and now super bowls were involved in that and i and i get that but i, I kind of think that that you've got to throw him in the mix as as a great on this team if there was a if there's an a 90th anniversary team in two years for this team tj's on it
0: yeah you're probably right i mean he, he's He's doing things that no one ever thought was possible from the pass rushing perspective. I mean, and that's like Bill Cowher. I, I listened to the post game show before Mike Tomlin's press conference started, and he said and they, they showed James Harrison had a video congratulating TJ Watt on breaking his record. And, he, and Cowher said, you know, he's a long line of great pass rushers for the Steelers in the sack era. You, know, you talk about Kevin Green, Greg Lloyd. You're talking about Joey Porter, James Harrison, obviously, Lamar Woodley. Uh, it's a really big accomplishment, really big accomplishment. I don't think if he stays healthy, there's any way he won't break Big Daddy's record of 17 and a half, the unofficial Steelers mark. Um, I, I, I don't know. The, the ribs scare me, though, Brian, doesn't that? I mean, that he was holding his ribs midsection. I was like, yeesh, that's – he's not getting a shot right now, but, I mean – He's tough as he's tough as they come. I don't want anyone questioning his toughness, but that, that's got to concern you a little bit, right?
2: Yeah, this, but is he an Ener- energizer buddy? Because he just uh, takes a licking and keeps on ticking or, or where is that something else? Do I have uh Takes a licking and keeps no, on ticking. That, that, that's oh, that's Timex. That's Timex. Is it? Yeah, no, that's okay. a Timex watch. Okay, man, I, I my advertisement <laughs> trivia is really bad today. Um, <laughs> But no, I mean, I I think he he's the kind of guy that if if he's breathing and able to put on cleats. By the way, his cleats were cool today. Um, if you didn't see his cleats, his cr- Oh my gosh, they had uh, Clark Griswold and uh, Are you and, serious? And, and, and a Christmas story. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's awesome.
2: Um, so, the the thing about TJ, yeah, he, as long as his heart is beaten and he can put a helmet on, and you let him. You don't shut him down. He's going out there. He's that kind of player.
0: Well, let's talk about some of these pass rushers Like, that, that contributed. Alex Highsmith, he drew a holding call. It was good to see him kind of get into the quarterback. Chris Wormley had a sack, even though he left the game with a groin injury. Shocker. And wasn't able to return. Um, TJ Watt did his thing. Cam Hayward is putting pressure. How am I supposed to see Charlton get his hand on that pass, like I mentioned? And also, uh, Derek Tushka getting the ball out of Ryan Tannehill's hands on a pass rush. I'm not saying that. Ch- taco and th- what is, what is Jeffrey Bennett? call him on this uh, taco, tushka. His- taco, tushka. there it is. Um, I- I'm not about to say that they're like great backups, but it was good to see them actually have some contributions. So when I look at the stat line, they had four sacks of Ryan Tannehill for 36 yards and seven quarterback hits. So Brian, pretty impressive day for the pass rush. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, this was the
2: time. One of the first times this season, when I looked at the defense and I said, ah, uh, there's the swarm. There's a, uh, there's the team that we've been begging
0: for coming back it's that meeting at the quarterback that's i lose i used to love that call i think it was bill What would always say they had a meeting at the quarterback and a bunch of people were there like you didn't know who got the sack because there were that many guys around they had that a couple times today so it's good to see uh for sure the pass rush but let's talk about the secondary the pass rush was good the secondary let's look at brian tannehill he finished 23 of 32 153 yards, a 4.8 average. He did throw that interception to Showbird, Sat four times for a 68.9 rating. This was about as bad as I've seen Ryan Tannehill play, and I remember him playing in Miami. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Steelers' secondary, uh, their pass defense in general, Brian? You know what? I thought there was a lot of no-name goodness in this game from the
2: secondary. I, I saw some things from Witherspoon again that I liked. I saw some things from Mallette. I've, uh you know what I I don't know if uh I don't know if he's anonymous I don't even know if he's out there I don't know where Norwood is I haven't seen a lot of Norwood lately I don't know if the fact that Witherspoon and and Mallette are uh, are keeping him aside uh, but I, I really liked some of the things that I saw I will say this I thought um this could be against the rush it could be you know as a uh, a defensive back but I thought, Mr. Terrell Edmonds, Fedarius had an amazing game, and I thought he uh, he looked very good in this football game as well. Of course, you had you had Hayden come up big at a point. Now Hayden got bailed out when uh, <laughs> when Julio Jones would have scorched him in in the first quarter. But Minka is a guy that not a lot of people were talking about for the game ball today. But man, Minka was
0: everywhere. Yes. And Tomlin talked about him after the game and saying, like, how many times did he come up? He was asked about what's the difference in the run defense. We'll talk about that in a second. But what's the difference between the run defense against Minnesota? And he said, you got to look at number 39. He said, how many times did he come up and make a tackle? He's probably going to lead this team in tackles. Just think about that, a safety, leading your team in tackles, potentially. Uh, Because when I think about it, let me look at the, the stat line quickly. Minka Fitzpatrick, 14 total tackles, led the team. Terrell Edmonds was second with 10. Um, your safety should not be leading your team in tackles, folks, just so you know <laughs> that's just not that's not good football. But still, makeup was great. Terrell Edmonds, that you brought him up. He had a great tackle, but the play before that, it was a tackle for loss. He blew up a little screen pass. The one thing that, if he, that guy had ball skills, oh my goodness, no one would be complaining about him being a first round pick. Yeah. But his ball skills are awful. Like the play before that blown up tackle for loss. he if the ball went right through his hands, you look at plays like that, you look at plays like Devin Bush. You had four takeaways already. You could have had easily six and it would have just been a, a, a dominant performance, even more so than it already, already is already was, I should say. So the defense did look good, but there were some issues and that came in the run defense department. The The Titans rushed for two, 201 yards, 42 God. carries, 201 yards, 4.8 average one touchdown. That was a quarterback sneak by Ryan Tannehill. And Dante Foreman led the way with 22 carries for 108. So, and this guy was banged up, by the way. So, what do you think about the rush defense, Brian?
2: The story keeps on going. It's not nice. It's, I mean, you lose Alo you lose to it, and you're bringing some guys in, and you lost another guy this week that was helping things out a little bit. And who I really think is going to be a guy that's gonna be in there the uh in the future, Monty Montravius Adams. I mean, yeah. he was out. I, I mean, I like Wormley, um, but I they're they're just getting gashed.
0: It doesn't help that Isaiah Bugs was downgraded to out either on Saturday. So when you lose Montravius Adams, you're thinking, okay, Bugs is coming back, he's questionable. Nope, he's out. Then you lose Wormley, and now you're relying on Thank goodness Carlos Davis, your son, was active for this game. Um, Because if not, I mean, you would have been down to Henry Mondo and Isaiah Loudermick playing maximum snaps, and that's not anything anyone wants when it comes to rush defense. Uh, The Steelers' defensive front did get kind of creative. They had to out of necessity. Uh, They were moving linebackers around. There was a lot of times you saw an outside linebacker. I saw Taco Charlton on the middle. I saw TJ Watt in the middle of times. I saw Alex Highsmith in the middle of times. They're trying everything that they have available to them to try and stop the run. It's just not always working. Uh, This was a tough game. And Brian, let me ask you a question for the second straight game. I keep on saying the same thing. If these teams that are running the ball with such success, why in the world would they ever throw it? Like why throw the ball? You're averaging 4.8 yards a carry. You rush for over 200 yards. Why would you dial up these throws? It doesn't make any sense. Brian, can you explain it? Why did Kirk Cousins do that last week? That's what I mean. i mean, That's I, what I'm I, saying. I, I don't
2: get it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, man, you have something going. And then you say, oh, we got to go for the kill. No, don't go for the kill. Do what you've got. Keep on going. You don't need that one pass to go for the kill. You're going to kill them more when you are draining the clock. My goodness, time of possession killed the Steelers in the first half of this game. And then teams stopped doing it. What? What is it? Do you have to get cute? Do you feel like you're, I mean, you just have to uh, knock them out when you don't. You just keep on doing what you did. Don't change when it's good.
0: Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me at all. I mean, the only thing I could say is that you think about that nine and a half minute drive that the Titans had at the end of the first quarter, first half, I'm sorry. Second quarter, and we'll talk about time management here in a second. But still, that nine-minute drive—what did you? Ended in a field goal. It took all that time off. Listen to this time of possession. Time of possession: Tennessee thirty-nine minutes and eight seconds to Pittsburgh's twenty minutes and fifty-two seconds. They had the ball for nineteen extra minutes. That's over an extra quarter. It's like a quarter. They possessed the ball more than this. It's a horrible stat. Horrible stat line. But still you look at the numbers and they're skewed because of the takeaways and the Steelers had short fields and they don't have to possess the ball as long, but I mean, my gosh, I mean, I'm, I'm watching the game. Like, why are they throwing the ball? Why why would they, why would anyone throw the ball against Pittsburgh? You know, it's, it's, it doesn't make any sense. I'm not going to complain about it because it equated to the Steelers winning the game, but still, I don't know. Steel dog 88 gives us $5 He broke out the Devin Bush Jersey with good faith this week, made some decent plays, Brian, what were your thoughts on Devin Bush? This is something that, kind of he's putting together a couple of good games. I know he dropped the interception, but still seems to be reacting a little bit better, has a little bit more spark to his game. You're noticing more for good things. What are your thoughts on Devin Bush?
2: I really think consciously he is, he is really trying to uh, get himself back together and there's got to be something going on inside that locker room or inside his apartment where he's just studying and working because It seems like he is starting to get things together. And uh, I have a feeling that uh, that he's listening to uh, he's reading the comments and and listening to uh, uh, listening to shows and hearing the criticism, which uh, you always tell me, Brian, quit reading comments. But maybe it's something where it's just like, man, I I have more pride in myself than this and I need to get it together. And it seems like he really is working to get it together.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's as long as I'm seeing improvement, like that's all I want to see. No steps backwards at this point. If he's if he reached rock bottom and this is his wave, he's kind of digging his way back. He's digging his way out of the hole. Like that's fine for me. As long as we're seeing improvement, that's what I want to see from Devin Bush. And I definitely do think that we saw that. It it, is he dynamic? Is he? Is he at the point where he's like Brian Chazier back before the injury in 2007? No, no, he's not. Is he Devin Bush back in 2019, his rookie year, or early in 2020 before the injury? No, but is he working his way back there? And I think the answer to that is yes. And so for that, I'm happy with Devin Bush and, and where he is right now. Let's also talk about Joe Hayden because he was another player that I thought played extremely well. It was a welcome addition. And here we are in week 15. He hasn't played since week 11. I, I think he got in, injured in actually, it might have been week 10 that he got injured in the Detroit game. If I'm was that was that when he got hurt, Brian? It was, it was week game. 10. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been out for that long and what a difference he makes. A lot of fans are saying, you know, hey, sign Joe, sign Joe. Are you saying sign Joe? I mean, the guy also has been out since week 10. I mean, let's keep that in mind, Brian.
2: You know, what I'm saying about Joe Hayden is is, uh, embrace the fact that you've got a Joe Hayden, too, to add on to the three guys that I talked about being heart and soul. And I really did make a mistake by not saying there's a fourth guy, and that's Joe Hayden when he's out there. So Joe Hayden is – he brings an extra level to this team. And just watching his celebration after the game, man, a lot of emotions came out of when he – when he did that scream and the pose and a lot of emotions came out of Joe, he was so ecstatic, so happy, the frustration of being, being out. He was letting that out. And he's, and he was also proclaiming to the world. I've still got it. And he believes
0: in this team. he loves, loves this team. Absolutely. He loves the He loves the team. He loves the town, loves the fans. I want to take a look at the box score here one last time and see if there's any other players that need to be mentioned. Minka Fitzpatrick, like I said, 14 total tackles, 12 solo, Edmonds with 10, Schobert with 7 and an interception, Cam Hayward was credited with a half a sack, TJ Watt with one and a half sacks, Derek uh, Tushka actually got a credit for a sack on his strip, uh, his hit of of, uh, Ryan Tannehill, Chris Wormley, he had a sack as well. Um, so the Steelers were all over the quarterback. I thought that Cam Hayward played a good game outside of the fact that he maybe not had the splash plays that most fans have come to expect from him. But, uh, any other notables you want to mention, Brian, before we move on to the coaching staff? Well, I just want to make a comment.
2: You just said that TJ Watt has one and a half sacks. And I read that that was an upgrade that, uh, he had been upgraded. So now that it's reading one and a half, he is, yeah. he has tied 17 and a half. He has tied uh big daddy.
0: Nice. So there we go. So 17 and a half, he has the official and now tied the unofficial only only needs another half sack to set a new mark for Steelers history, not just the sack era, if you want to call it that. So for me, um, let's talk about the coaching staff. I want to talk about one in particular and that's Mike Tomlin and I'm not a Mike Tomlin hater. You know, this, if anyone listens to my podcast knows, I'm not a Mike Tomlin apologist either. Um, I think he's a good coach. I think that he has his warts and one of his warts is time management. The end of the first half, I'm sitting there watching this unfold, this nine and a half minute drive. And I'm sitting there the entire time thinking to myself, what is going on? Why in the world are they not calling timeouts? Is he trying to does he think this is like text messaging where you or, or like you know, your cellular minutes where he gets to roll over to the next <laughs> month? Does he not know that they you have hey, use them or lose them, bud? This is like vacation time, like you got to use it. And he didn't call timeouts. The Steelers end up getting, what was it, a 56-yard field goal from Boswell, which comes up like a few yards short. I just, I was stunned, absolutely stunned that the Steelers weren't saying, and this wasn't a situation where the Titans would have gained anything from having extra time. You know what I mean? This wasn't a situation where if you call timeout like 140, that you're like, oh, now we're giving, now we're giving the Titans extra time. What a stupid call. No, you're giving your offense a chance if they score whether they score a touchdown or they're definitely going to get a field goal. I thought that was as bad as it gets for Tom. And I'm sure other people will bring up other situations, but Brian, what are your thoughts on the coaching staff? You can talk about that situation if you want Anything's on the table right now.
2: Absolutely. And that was, that was where I was like, Oh my gosh, Mike. I mean, I maybe sometimes I am a, a Tomlin apologist. I'm probably a Tomlin apologist a lot, but you can't really you can't look at that and say, oh, I know what I'm doing here. I mean, no, just trust me. I mean, I've got a plan. I mean, what are you doing to possibly just calling timeouts, not calling timeouts to kneel on the ball? You know, I mean, that's just giving up and going in and saying, okay, it's next half. The NFL now is a situation where you can get, you can be down 35 seconds and having the ball kicked off to you and have a lot of hope to win the game. And we're seeing it so much. I mean, this isn't like the 1980s and 70s when if you were leading with five minutes left, game was over. It was absolutely over. Now, I mean, gosh, less than a minute, no problem. You've got quarterbacks yeah. that can go down the field. And they they got down the field enough to give him a 56. And the way, the way Boz has been kicking this year, Man, I hate to even put that a mark on his uh a mark on his stats because it was a perfect kick. Yep. It was just it was just short. Just I mean, I think only a couple yards like you said. Yeah. But put him in position. Take a timeout. Don't let them ru- they ran the clock down and and the Steelers just let them do it. If the Steelers lose this game, especially by a field goal at the end. Excuse me, by a uh, touchdown and extra point at the end. There's going to be a lot of complaints about not getting that field goal, and it's not going to be on Boz. It's going to be all on the coaching staff and Mike Tomlin, yeah. and people will be calling for his head more and more and more.
0: So, like Sean Manahan says in the live chat, I want to put this. Out, he said his reasoning was he was concerned with putting pressure on them to score. To hold it to three, uh, that is the dumbest excuse. Now, Sean, I'm not. This is not you. This is Tomlin. That is the dumbest excuse I've ever heard. Like That you might as well just say I made a mistake. I would have much rather. Pref- I'd much rather heard Mike Tomlin go to the podium, who's asked about it, and said, "That's on me. That's on me. Um, I never thought it was going to take that long. Blah blah blah. Whatever. But it's on me. I would have much rather heard that." Then had this, you know, and Justin Gog uh, Gall gives us 499. He says rare clock management error by Tomlin. Not sure is that that rare. And he said significant, worst that I can remember. So, like you said, Brian, it's it's a really good idea. Um that there's it, it's a good thought that if they would have lost this game, yeah, that should have been brought up. Steel Dog eighty eight gives us two dollars of Tomlin. If Tomlin doesn't call timeout, who can step into? I don't know if anyone can just step in and call timeout. Who's your um, defensive captain? It's, uh, it's it Hayward, Cam. isn't it? Cam would, Cam? yeah. Well, he know. could
2: he could have done it, but that's that's a problem. It's because... on the
0: coach. That's on the coach. Yeah. Don't push that off on players. It's on the coach. Yeah,
2: because if you do that, then my gosh, you're you're usurping the power of the coach, and then there's a big problem. And now you're a, you're a renegade out there. You, you can't do that. You got to respect the coach. in That move.
0: Yeah, outthinking yourself is what that's called completely out thinking yourself. I do want to say that for Keith Butler and the defensive front that he's having to work with, I thought that they blitzed more. They had good timely blitzes. Uh, You saw Joe Schober come in. He was the one that forced Ryan Tannehill to throw the ball quickly. I believe that was on a fumble uh, where they, I think that that might've been the play that actually Joe Hayden ended up getting that fumble recovery. I'm not sure, but they were, they were throwing some blitzes out there. Um, I I think that absolutely the, The I want to give some credit to Keith Butler, even though the defensive front, is not where it should be. He also doesn't have the majority of his players available. Uh, Brian, want to talk about the coordinators at all?
2: No, I th- I think uh, we we talked ad nauseum on the offensive side about the coordinators. I don't have too much of a problem with uh, what Butler and uh, even Austin what they're what they're working with there. They're they're not working with a complete set, and they're getting enough out of it which I, I got to give them credit for the way that they handled this game on the defensive side of the ball coaching.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the special teams because I would I want to spend some time there. Uh, Presley Harvin continues to disappoint me, and I was a big, big, big press supporter. We all know this. He finishes the day with five punts, uh, an average of 39.8, only one inside the 20, along a 51, but there were a couple that were just – I mean, how, how long are we going to – how long are the Steelers going to put up with this, all season, give them a chance to get better next season? Brian, what are your thoughts on uh, Little Press?
2: Yeah, they're not making a change now. Uh, they, they really – they probably feel that they can work through it, but there's going to be an open competition in 2022. But for th- four games le- – excuse me, for three games left, and then you throw in the hope that there's a playoff game – you can't be shanking punts like that. I've uh, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I have uh, I've come up with a, uh, a name for his punting. It's called the crank and shank tour I because, because <laughs> he'll crank one. I mean, he'll he'll crank a beauty and then he'll shank a couple more. So he's uh, you don't want to call him big press right now. I'm calling him crank and shank
0: crank and shank. I love that. I actually like that crank and shank. That's awesome. Um, Yeah, it's it's definitely someone out there says (laughs) Dave uses somewhere out there. Jordan Barry's laughing at Jeff. He probably is. He's having a good season compared to crank and shank. So, uh, but Chris Boswell continues to be, you know, Mr. Steady Eddie. I know he missed that 49 yarder in Minnesota and that was definitely felt like an aberration and it was, and he was perfect uh, except for that 56 yarder. He was uh, four for five for field goals. He was one for one for extra points. You can't say much better, but I got to bring it up, though. I mean, my goodness, the, the the returns, the 55-yard punt return by Chester Rogers, the special teams early in this game, you're watching Presley Harvin kick the ball 30 yards. You're watching them give up 55-yard returns. You're seeing penalties on the special teams. Special teams early in this game was absolutely atrocious, Brian, don't you think?
2: Oh, yeah,
0: I... Man,
2: when I saw him break through, then I saw the flag. I'm like, oh, okay, good. It's coming back because when there's a flag on a big punt return like that, you know it's on on the return
0: team and your
2: kicking team. I'm like, oh my goodness. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. It was that kind of day, but it's still bad. It was bad, and people want to blame Danny Smith. He's not the one out there shanking punts, and he's not out there missing tackles. And so, say what you want, and the coaches can only do so much. I. I feel like a special teams coordinator can only do so much <laughs> compared to the other ones. He's out there like, hey, guys, stay in your lanes, shed the blocks, make the tackles block. I, just bad. It's just bad all the way around. But somehow, some way with all the negatives that we talked about, giving up 200 yards, uh, barely doing anything good offensively, special teams was was really bad. They found a way to win the game. They had four takeaways and they find a way to win They're seven, six and one. The playoff hopes remain alive. The Bengals are currently playing as we record this. So we'll see how that pans out. The Ravens are currently playing as we speak and the Browns play, I believe on Monday at 5 PM. So a lot can change, but Brian let's do some final thoughts. What are your final thoughts? Wow.
2: You're going into Christmas with a win. That's got to feel really good. You Know what you have with the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's time to embrace this team now. It's time to embrace the fact that they are a 2 a.m. team. Yep, I'm bringing them back up. This is a 2 a.m. team. (laughs) They're playing ugly, they're not on your Christmas card, but this is their identity. And you know, one thing about the Steelers is they're going to fight. They are going to fight. They're going to claw. They're going to scratch and they're going to come out with this win and you're going to leave feeling exhilarated. You're going to worry about next week, then you're going to feel exhilarated in some way again because they're gonna make it interesting. You can have you can have that boyfriend or girlfriend that is just boring and at the end they come through or you could have the one that picks you up with a leather jacket, and a motorbike, and uh, and scares the living bejeebers out of you, and you almost die a few times, and at the end, it just doesn't work out. Well, sometimes that team's going to work out, and it's going to be, you're going to find that diamond in the rough, and that's what the Steelers are. With all their warts, there's so much beauty there. Embrace that beauty and happy holidays, and you get to go and unwrap gifts with us with the Steelers that won last week.
0: Yeah, and to kind of piggyback on of that, my final thoughts are that the Pittsburgh Steelers found a way to win this game. They are still alive, and if this team has shown you anything so far this year, it's that very rarely, I can only think of one occasion where you're thinking this game is done, and that was against Cincinnati in Week 12. We all thought that on the Thursday night or in Week 14 in Minnesota, and what'd they do? came storming back, making plays, almost pulled out the win. So I know what Steeler fans are thinking right now. You're thinking, oh, here comes Kansas City in Arrowhead. This is going to be a loss. Says who? Says who? You never know. If the Steelers' defense can continue to take the ball away the way they have the last two weeks at six takeaways in two weeks, if you count, you know, Witherspoon's interceptions the week prior, this team is going to be capable of taking maybe just get the offense going in, in a little bit. I don't need a lot, just a little bit. But we'll see. All right. So for all the 300 plus people on YouTube and Facebook that are watching us live, uh, we appreciate all of you for being here live. We want to wish everyone here a Merry Christmas and a happy holidays. Hopefully you check out our Merry Steelers Christmas podcast on our Steelers platform, our podcast platform, wherever you get your podcasts or Steelers or behind the steel curtain, subscribe, follow so that you don't miss a thing. All right. That does it for us. We'll be back next week 4:25 25 PM kickoff the day after Christmas. Have a great holiday, everyone. We will see you next week. Go Steelers.
1: Oh how it rips me but love
2: makes me live for tomorrow